Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. So I have this headline gets into how the newest contraband at the southern border is eggs. Customs and Border Protection agents had more than 2,000 encounters with people trying to bring eggs in from to the United States from Mexico between November 1st and January 7th, 17th, excuse me. Now, in that same 11-week period one year earlier, only 460 encounters. Now, there was avian influenza and then just basic inflation. The biggest increase is in San Diego, where they saw encounters jump from a little over 1,000. Well, actually, it went from 232 over 1,000. Now, they don't actually discuss how many eggs were seized, but they said that it's people traveling with eggs. So... It was you used to have eggs a dollar ninety two for a dozen. Now it's four twenty five. And Customs and Border Patrol are saying that you know it was one of the reasons that avian flu was kind of a big deal is because people were bringing agricultural items across the border. So maybe don't. That's why you have to declare stuff, regardless of whether you like it or not. Like I get it with certain things. I get it, especially if you go to like Hawaii or something like that. So the egg issue, they said 2,002 border seizures, huge increase. They think that maybe decline in shipping costs and prices falling on some food products and all of that still maybe that the price of eggs is still high, though. There are people who can't even find them on grocery store shelves. I haven't really had that issue finding them on shelves, but I have seen the price. I think we've all seen the price of these eggs, like how you know, unbelievably expensive it all is. And so people are bringing eggs in. So Kane, I feel like we should probably get into this. Like if you go across the border of Mexico, you can buy groceries. You just got to eat your eggs there. You can't bring your eggs in to the United States. If you go, you know what I mean? If you go, so customs and border patrols trying to tell people, look, if you're shopping over there, which I don't know why you would go and then just why, but you know, just say you do. And don't you can't bring that stuff over. So I feel like this is a a side hustle, man. We need to get into. Absolutely. Is it really that like your people really that's the one thing I have not I've seen the increase in price for sure. But for whatever reason, at least in the area where I live, actually in Dallas at large, I haven't seen a lot of people saying that it's been difficult for them to find them, just that it's been expensive. Yeah. I've even been seeing stores because I've been digging deep into this for months now. And there have been, especially recently, stories of chicken feed. People were questioning the chicken feed. There were people who were experiencing their chickens stop laying eggs for months at a time, not just a wintertime type thing where you know chickens tend to slow down or stop laying eggs in the wintertime. This is something that's been going on for a long time. And so the chicken feed is now another issue. And it's starting to look to me, because I wear a tinfoil hat on most days, uh, that it's crazy, not accidental. And so I've what got, you're saying is that people are deliberately poisoning the avian popu- well, population you, you so say, that you say poison, eggs are expensive. Yeah, you say poison, but what it ends up doing, at least a lot of these farms are experiencing just a complete stop of egg production based on the feed. They change the feed, then egg production comes back. It, to me, it's that's sus, bro. It's Because it's not like they're taking out the chickens. Just the egg production. Well, they've done that too. Remember all the fires in those. Well, yeah, and the avian flu for sure. Yeah, 
So you're saying that you think that WEF has declared a war on our food production and means of supply yeah. as a way to make us all poorer and dependent upon bugs for sustenance. Yep. I mean, you know, it's 2023. I mean, who the hell knows? Maybe. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't live in a, I don't sleep in a tinfoil roll like Kane, but <laughs> I'm just saying it's weird, right? I don't, I don't get it. But at the same time, I could be convinced either way at this point. I just don't, I am so distrustful of everything. I think I would believe Bigfoot more than I would my own government. Oh, yeah. For real. Like if Bigfoot came out and was like, do this, this is good. I'd be like, I trust Bigfoot over that, over, over our own government. I don't, I don't know, but I really do feel like, so what does that mean? Like getting chickens or something? I don't know. Do I want to deal with chickens? They're cute and I want to put pants on them. I don't know if y'all have seen Sidebar. If you've seen the, yes, Google it. There's a video. Chickens wearing pants. It's the funniest thing you'll ever see in your life. I will watch, that's the video that I could watch a thousand times in a row and still laugh with the same energy as I did the first time on the thousandth time. It's the most hysterical. But then you got to take care of them and you know, a lot of chickens. I mean, my grandparents had chickens. So I don't know. I, it's just, but, and I don't, and I honestly, do you really think that it gets me that you have um, people who don't want to assume responsibility for anything, but yet they'll go out and get chickens, I guess, to make it look trendy to get it. Isn't that like the new trendy thing to do is have chickens? That alone makes me not want to have chickens. Because if it's trendy and everyone else is doing it, I don't want to do it. Well, I'm not going to now. Just don't want to go to, you know, if everyone's getting, isn't it what it seems like? Like all the hipsters I know are getting chickens and it makes me hate the idea of owning chickens because they're all doing it and I don't want to do it. Right. Does it seem that way to you or am I just being overly sensitive? Remember back in our hometown of St. Louis, there are people in city limits getting chickens. I'm like, you don't even know where meat comes from. And you're going to get chickens because you think it's trendy. You saw some some couple in the tiny house show get some chickens and now you think that you want to get some chickens you just wanted to sew curtains for the chicken coop that's all you wanted to do can't stand it so they i just feel like maybe it's a good side hustle though i don't know yeah it might be it might be you know just something like that i i do think what was it they um who was it that was so we so we had a dinner last night we were uh, uh having dinner with the good ranchers folks talking with them about how they're kind of like the modern day duttons in a way so there was this, this talking about food and all this other stuff. There was a, uh, one of the episodes previously of Yellowstone. And I'm talking about the modern day one with John Dutton and Kelly Riley and, uh, you know, Kevin Costner and Kelly Riley, who's brilliant, by the way. But she was saying that they needed to change their business structure of the ranch because they're competing with Brazilian ranches and ranches in New Zealand and so much meat is imported anymore. You would be shocked. Like the, some of the stuff that you're ordering and you're thinking that you're having delivered to you, you think it's like us, you know, meat and it's not. (laughs) We'll talk about that more later, but they, on the show, they were saying we need to be able to actually send it to consumers. So it's kind of like the Good Ranchers business model, which I thought was incredibly interesting. But the going back to lockdown and everything else, do you remember when ranchers were having to kill their cattle because they couldn't afford to feed them out? And they couldn't, it, it, people weren't going out to eat, people weren't purchasing as much beef, all this. And then you have, who, who are the people that you have who are saying, like, there are actually some meat companies saying eat less meat but they're not getting into the bug harvesting business know that 
And so during lockdown, you had, you know, a lot of these ranchers and I heard from a number of ranchers, we ended up going in on a steer and that was like a pain in the backside to get that process because you couldn't take your, couldn't go to a wild game processor and there were all these restrictions and regulations, which I think the Texas state legislature since then has remedied, but it was just ridiculous. It was a huge process just to do that. Uh, and just listening to the struggles of all these ranchers. And now apparently they killed too many cattle during lockdown. And uh, now they're having to look at, you know, they're having, um, you know, they have fewer calves and they have smaller herds this year. And this was something that USDA actually had a report on that. They have smaller, that uh, smaller herds, smaller head of cattle this year. And that takes a long time to build up a herd because it's not like, you know, talk and was talking to these guys about this last night. You know, my own, my, I had family that dealt with cattle and they dealt, they were cattle, uh, and they dealt with, uh, goats and chickens was just kind of like their thing on the side. And I have other family members that dealt with cattle and they also dealt with pigs. And so it's, you know, kind of, it's in our family. So I know it's, it's not as, it's not a quick thing like with chickens. I mean, it's just a matter of weeks, but with cattle, you're talking about a few years in terms of the, the entire span of, of time. Uh, in raising it up and then having, you know, get, and getting it to that point where it's, you know, it's commercial. So the point being is that we had have smaller head of cattle and it's going to take a while for that to recover. So they're kind of in the middle of that right now. And in the meantime, it's forcing people in the United States to become more dependent upon imported beef. A lot of it coming from Brazil and New Zealand. And we're at that point where a lot of ranches need to really start looking into this and doing it. I just, it was a really enlightening uh, conversation. And just, um, it's just, it's pretty amazing. It's, it's pretty amazing to see this. I think that there's, we've gotten so far away from even understanding what it takes to be self-sufficient with regards to our own food supply that we can't as a as a population recognize you know shenanigans when it pops up like Kane's like so Kane's like already down in the tractor supply rabbit hole what are you sharing with me here Kane's a pioneer woman over here looking at his well I'm monitor. just showing that you know like I said I've been doing some digging yeah, over the you past have. several weeks and this is one of the most recent that I've come up with and seen like this isn't the only story written about this there are other outlets that have written the same story but apparently the tractor supply company tractor feed supply tractor mm -hmm. supply they're the ones that a lot of these people get their poultry feed from right mm -hmm. and what the common thread with all of these farmers that experienced egg laying stop they were all using the tractor supply poultry feed well when they either switched up the feed made it themselves or they switched to goat feed the chicken started laying again interesting so that's, you know, again, this could be a, a, a widespread problem or it could be a very small centralized type problem. That I don't really know yet. But all I know is that this is the data that I've been uncovering when looking deeper into the egg situation. I love it that he sent me also a message board conversation and one of the people's avatars is me. Is it really? Yeah, that's kind of funny. Yeah, I was, I was like, hey, there's me. That's funny. I've talked a lot about the Keltec KSG shotgun over the years, and it's no secret how much I love it. It's become the go-to shotgun for law enforcement and home defense, and for a really good reason. Uh, but why am I such a huge fan of the Keltec KSG? 
Well, like everything that Caltech invents, it created an entirely new class of shotgun. And the one that started it all is the KSG shotgun. It's the first 12-gauge pump-action shotgun chambered for three-inch shells. And with its dual-tube mags, offers a capacity of 12 plus 1. So that's six rounds in each tube plus one chambered. If you prefer two and three-quarter inch shells, even better, because the KSG holds seven plus seven plus one. That's 15 shells. You cannot ignore the downward shell ejection either. It makes the KSG truly ambidextrous and ejects shells away from your face. It's brilliant design. See the Keltec KSG up close and personal at KeltecWeapons.com. That's K-E-L-T-E-C Weapons.com. Again, to find out more, visit KeltecWeapons.com. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. That's whether they were sending any communications. I want to suspend quick five here to go to John Kirby live none. speaking about. We looked to see whether uh, they were maneuvering or had any per- propulsion capabilities in progress. We saw no signs of that, and we made sure to determine whether or not they were manned. They were not. We did, however, assess that their altitudes were considerably lower than the Chinese high altitude balloon and did pose a threat to civilian commercial air traffic. And while we have no specific reason to suspect that they were conducting surveillance of any kind, we couldn't rule that out. That is why the President, at the recommendation of of the Secretary of Defense, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and the NORTHCOM NORAD Commander, gave the order to shoot them down. These missions were completed successfully and safely. Efforts are actively underway right now at all sites to find what is left of those objects so that we can better understand and communicate with the American people what they are. I think it's important to remind the objects in Alaska and Canada are in pretty remote terrain, ice and wilderness, all of that making it difficult to find them in winter weather. The object over Lake Huron now lies in what is probably very deep water. So outside of recovery operations, what are we doing? Well, first, we are continuing to monitor. There are no active tracks today, but the professionals at NORAD will continue to do their important work. Secondly, we are consulting with allies and partners on the challenge of identified aerial phenomenon and how we can all work together to deal with that challenge. The President has directed the Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense, and the Director of National Intelligence to engage with their so relevant... this is John Kirby with share. DOD and National Security Council, who's explaining what, what's happening here uh, with these downed objects. We're going to come back with more of this. Stick with us. More of the Dana Show up against a hard break right after this. Uh, it, it's had its challenges. Right. Uh, I mean, if you look at what the American transportation systems have faced in the last two or three years, partly because of the pandemic. We've faced issues from container shipping to airline cancellations. Mm -hmm. Now we got balloons. That's right. Um. (laughs) Hmm. That's Pothole Pete, the transportation secretary, kind of making light of a number of things. Welcome back to the program. Second hour, Dana Lash here with you, your lovable curmudgeon. The secretary mayor kind of just poking fun at the Chinese surveillance story. Also, he didn't say anything about a single thing about what's happening in East Palestine in Ohio. I don't know if you've been watching this, but this is shaping up to be quite the ecological disaster. And not a single, I haven't seen a single cable news outlet cover this. 
I haven't seen this is just some of the images. That's an actual explosion. So some from what I've seen, and there's um, a couple of really good explainers out there. Norfolk Southern is a rail line that goes through East Palestine and it derailed right on like right outside of the town. It was like right on the border, apparently, of Pennsylvania and Ohio. And the cars that they were carrying um, vinyl chloride, which is um, the way that I understand it, it's used to make PVC and some other types of chloride. Uh, and they're incredibly flammable. They're very hazardous. And uh, it's, I mean, it's it's shipped in li- like a, as a liquid. And so apparently when these trains, the way that I understand it, when they crashed, it wasn't just liquid that they were leaking. It was like apparently boiling gas and an incredibly toxic boiling gas that you're not, I mean, that's incredibly dangerous to be exposed to. And I think there's like 23,000 gallons of this were spilled. A, I, something like that. Or no, sorry, 33,000 gallons. The, well, that's the amount that these sort of tanker cars can carry anywhere between 25 to 30,000. So you have like, I think what, five cars were involved in this. And uh, this, I mean, this is bad, 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 bad. And so apparently... Uh, what can you get? Like I think like hydrogen chloride can be one of the byproducts of burning vinyl chloride. This is where all my chemistry majors, this is where you all come in. And if it gets into water, it's, it's bad. I mean, this is bad, bad, bad. So government, they had uh, government officials involved, the governor of Pennsylvania and Ohio, they were trying to, I guess, like burn off some of this stuff. I don't know. And it put all this acid in the air. And so, now it's like bad. It's bad. It's bad. So there's still some stuff coming out about this. I think people are trying to wrap their heads around it. But the rail, the Norfolk Southern Railway, it seemed they're being accused of really playing down the severity of this. And that's 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 pretty it's pretty dangerous. I don't know why anybody's not talking about this. I have no I mean, I have no idea why no one is is not talking more about this. I'm going to put a great explainer in your email prep. If you you can just go and subscribe over at Substack Chapter and Verse, I'm going to put a, an, a couple of explainers in here for you so that you can get a base understanding of this. Because I really think that this, I'm actually kind of surprised. Everything that I'm reading about this, it seems like it's serious enough that you would have Pothole Pete have a. I mean, you would have a, a, a press conference about this. And so far, there hasn't been. Have you noticed that Democrat administrations, whenever there is an ecological disaster that is on their hands, they're not anywhere to be found. Like the, the, the chemical dump in the Animus River in uh, Colorado that ended up poisoning a bunch of livestock and made it really, really hard for a lot of indigenous farmers in that area, all Democrats like pay all kinds of lip service to indigenous nations. But then when you know you had those same peoples that were affected by their EPA dumping toxic chemicals into the river that their livestock uses, the administration was completely gone. MIA, not a peep. So where's Pothole Peep on this? Because the soundbite that we just played for you was from over the weekend. And this derailment happened last week. This has been a week now. And he's not seen anything there's um, it's interesting because engineer Twitter is is it, I will say engineer Twitter is all over this, 
And so they were talking about HCI, hydrochloric acid solutions versus toxic vapor clouds of vinyl chloride. They were saying that at least hydrochloric acid is a liquid, more controllable, that vinyl chloride is like one of the worst, et cetera, et cetera. Now people are worried about the out the nearby areas, the I think what, 14 miles away is the Ohio River. Uh, people are worried about uh, exactly what's what's going to happen with this. Um, it's I mean, there are people who are worried about when they're if their their kids, you know, being outside in that. And I can completely understand that. This is it's just there. If you look, there's I was looking earlier today, too. There's nothing that's trending about this in coverage online. I mean, literally nothing. Not a single thing trending. Now, I think that the biggest stories, if you were to ask me what I think the biggest stories today are, I think that it's the situation with the spy balloons, obviously. You know, here we have four that have been shot down. And then I think this. And this this is, I think they're both equally big. But yet, you're not finding anything, any information about the spillage of the chemicals in these rail cars. And I'm... I know we have uh, a lot of affiliates in this area. I'm curious as to what our listeners in this area, what they have to say about this. I mean, these are super, uh, I mean, these are, I mean, this, this is some dangerous stuff. They said that the EPA sent a letter to Norfolk, Norfolk Southern, that's the rail, and saying that the, the chemicals that they had in the rail cars, that they had been, they were on fire, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we told you about the one uh, uh, chemical hazardous materials expert who says that these chemicals are carcinogens and when they're burning, it can cause irritation in the skin and eyes and all of this. And it's, it's, it's dangerous. Like I said, one primer that I was reading, let me pull this back up, uh, was, in, I mean, it's actually incredibly helpful. One of the primers that I was reading uh, was getting into exactly you know, what these chemicals are, uh, the polyvinyl chloride, like for instance, one of uh, said that vinyl chloride is that it boils at eight degrees Fahrenheit, and then when it's shipped, it is done so in liquid form. When these cars crashed and derailed, they weren't just leaking liquid; they were spewing boiling gas, and like and and it's incredibly toxic. OSHA regulates the permissible limits as to how much you can be exposed to during an average work shift, and it gets. I mean, and this apparently greatly exceeds even that. They said currently or previously before this, the biggest spill of this particular chemical. Uh, and this is according to, uh, there's a couple of sources here. Uh, and I, I'll put this in your newsletter. The biggest spill before this of that particular chemical was in New Jersey, says one explainer, where a train car and about 23,000 gallons of the vinyl chloride were spilled and it can't catch on fire. This has five cars, and they carry anywhere between twenty-five to thirty-three thousand gallons. That's a lot. Whew. So, the like I said, this is that in East Palestine of this toxic derailment, and I'm just where, where, how does something like this happen? First off, uh, with you know, rail, and this is Norfolk Southern, and I'm going to get some more information too about because uh, there are a couple of other things in this. So, when was there? There's a controlled explosion apparently that also took place. This is crazy. So, biggest ecological 
disaster and it's not being covered anywhere. You have no idea. And the information about it, thankfully, you have engineers and all kinds of, you know, other uh, people who who work with chemicals day in and day out uh, who are doing some great explainers on this. But there's nothing in the press. It would be great if there was, a you know, somebody in the, in the media who can ask questions about this stuff, who are there, who could go. And, and I, I'm just shocked. And it has not been addressed at all whatsoever by the Department of Transportation. None. You, you haven't been hearing about this at all. And I doubt you will. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida Man. Mm-mm-mm. All right. So first up, a Florida man who was angry over the airline's baggage fees was accused of making a bomb threat at Orlando at an Orlando airport, say deputies. A Florida man who was upset over these baggage fees was arrested at Orlando International Airport. Thursday of last week, after he allegedly made a statement that there was a bomb on the plane, Danny Curry and his wife were at the airport. They were uh, prepared. They were preparing to take a Spirit Airlines flight from Orlando to Pensacola, and they were upset over the airline's carry-on bag fees. So they they allegedly mentioned that the plane would have to be deplaned because there was a bomb on board. You can't joke about that at because people take it way too seriously. Everything way too seriously. Uh, he was saying, you want me to say it again? And he got real mad. You never do that when you're mad. That's not going to help your situation. So they brought the canines in. Uh, they had the FBI, TSA. Uh, clearly, everybody was late for their flight. They had to search everything, check all the luggage. The flight was allowed to continue, I'm sure, after a significant delay. So this guy was arrested and booked into jail on one count of reporting a bombing. Uh, so uh, falsely reporting a bombing. It's just nuts. There's so many better wit. Just golly. Uh, this... Dun, dun, dun. I don't. A Florida man faces a misdemeanor charge for standing naked in his doorway. Now he was in his doorway behind a screened-in porch with nothing on and completely exposed. Somebody who was walking their dog in Cape Coral saw it and called the police. They felt like he was deliberately displaying his junk, so to speak. And neighbors were outraged. They were saying that he's that they have kids and grandkids, and he he was standing right in front of the door, and that's you know. So they said that the neighbor who was spotted was actually frozen in embarrassment behind a screened in porch door when he realized a neighbor spotted him. They, so they, they said that the Cape Coral attorneys were saying that there's a gray area in prosecution. They have to decide if it's a one-time mistake or a pattern in order to determine charges. But, and by the way, the WINK, there's a difference between begging the question and posing the question. Begging the question is assuming that the conclusion is true based on the premises offered. When you are saying begging the question, when you mean pose the question, you're misusing that logical phrase. Stop it. Because then it makes your story confusing. But there is a, a legitimate question to be asked about, well, where's the line? If you're in, was he deliberately doing it? Did he know? Did he think the screen was going to cover him? This is weird. But why do it in the first place? Wouldn't you be worried that you would be, I don't know. Is that only something that normal people think? I'm not sure. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.